0: Welcome to uh, number 11 of the Stormy Water sessions. Um, As you will notice, we had a bit of a break last week um, while we were catching up with ourselves, but we're back for our regular um, programming um, this week. Um, Hope to for at least the next few months as well. Um, So I'm Ben Roberts, and that's my dad, Dave Roberts. Um, and I'll let him, well, I'll ask him how he is, actually. How are
1: you? Yeah, I'm good. Um, you know, I could do with a week in the Mediterranean, but due to current circumstances, that's not really um, viable. But, yeah, I'm all right.
0: Yeah, likewise. It'd be nice to, uh, um, even if it wasn't the Mediterranean, even if yeah. it was uh, sort of, um, I don't know, like uh, Amber Sands or something. That'd be, Yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah. Uh, that'd be something. Uh, but uh, um obviously we're we're still living um with the uh the current restrictions as as we will be for, for a good um uh, probably seven or eight weeks and then probably another seven or eight weeks after that in, in a sort of uh hopefully slightly lighter state of restrictions. Um mm. towards maybe the end of March or beginning of April, something like that. Um, yep but the things seem to be going, um, you know, in the right direction with the obvious caveat that there's still far too many people getting the virus and far too many people in hospital and, and far too many. Um, well, you know, any number of people dying, um, uh, would be far too many, um, of this virus, but, uh, but the, uh, The the hospitalizations and the the daily um, cases um, are are much reduced um, from from what they were at the beginning of this month, or even under two or three weeks ago, or something. So um, that's encouraging, um, but there's still a lot of um, a lot of fear, I would say. And fear is our topic today, um, yeah. and I think a lot of people listening and watching to this might say, "Well, there's a lot of reason to be fearful. Um, mm. You know, there's mm. so much uh, going on, um, and it feels so far out of my control. Yeah. Um, I just don't know what to do. Like, I don't know how to, to deal with it. There's nothing practically." That I can, you know, I can't, I can't stop people getting, I can't stop all these tens of thousands of people getting infected. Like, it yeah. just feels so beyond me. Um, yeah. That I, I don't know what what to do.
1: I think, I mean, you know, uh, at the moment, objectively, in people's lives, um, it's understandable that they would be fearful. This is a an unknown quantity, and we shouldn't despise people's fear it's it's a a reality of uh the news that's coming out um the numbers that are being quoted um and and all of those things and so you might argue that there is a, a good fear at work um which is based around um it wouldn't be good for me to get this virus so i'm gonna observe the mask and mandate I'm not going to gather in big crowds, um, a kind of uh, a healthy fear.
0: That- yeah, like kind of uh, a, a, um, almost a logical kind of, um, uh, well, you know, why I wouldn't, I don't know, climb on the roof. Yeah. You know, unless, yeah. unless I had some scaffolding around me or something like that. Um you know, there's yeah. there's a certain level of, um, uh. Well, actually, it's it's good that you know. It's why you wouldn't put your hand on the 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 hob or something. You know, yeah. You, yeah. you you have a, a healthy um kind of understanding and respect for something. And I think you know, in the sense that um, of where in the Bible it talks about fearing God, and some people might say, well. You know what does that mean? Should I, should I sort of be really stressed all the time about, you know, is God mm. trying to get me to fear Him by, yeah. or us to get us to fear Him by, by yeah. this virus and like, um, yeah. and, and I think certainly my perhaps limited understanding of of, of, of when it says fear, and, and you know you might read a different translation, it might say something slightly different. When he's talking about feeling God, it, it's talking about having reverence for God and, yeah. and 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 kind of having that awe and and wonder of God. So not not and you know, there's, there's people that say you know songs. You know, songs can sometimes Christian songs can sometimes be kind of you know, Jesus is my best friend, and or people mm-hmm. say I talk to God like I talk to a you know a bloke down the pub or something, and. Um, you know, it's I guess in a lot of ways it's a horses, of course, <laughs> kind of thing. Yeah. But there is, there is perhaps a, a, a kind of level on which you know, it, it is good to be relaxed in the presence of God yeah. um, and, and God doesn't want you to be powering or, or shriveling back yeah. and going, oh, and what if I say the wrong thing or something? Yeah. But, but to not, to not treat Uh. Um, your relationship with God, as if he was. um, Yeah. Or, 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 uh, I'm using male pronouns there, but. um, uh, I I um, I have. But, but you know that that you that you, kind of um, think, oh yeah, you know it's it's just just another mate or something.
1: Yeah. Well, I, I think with that, there there is an element of some church cultures are uh, creating this vision of an angry god um and people are perpetually worried about upsetting god uh and they they're not enjoying uh his grace his creation or very much else um because they always feel that they're slightly short of the mark yeah and, and that can be profoundly unhelpful uh, But by the same token, I think there's an element whereby the word fear, if it's teased out a little in that context, has a little more to do with reverence and awe and a respect for the wisdom of God and uh, an awareness that, um, uh, you know, if you're an extremely right-wing person and you shout at people of other races in the street threaten or physically abuse uh, people, then uh, you should uh, be aware that there is a fear of God which relates to your flagrant uh, destructiveness into the lives of other people and that there will be a time when you're called to account. Um, But a lot of the, the, uh, you know, the, the, the verse where it says the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom I think it's more to do with um, you do not have the capacity to uh, be clear as to how the world should be. But if God as the creator, has created it, he does have the capacity and he has shared his wisdom um, in the stories that are told about him uh, in what we know as the Bible. And so uh, who are we going to fear? you know, uh, in our lives. Um, Are we going to fear the opinion uh, of our popular culture? Are we going to fear um, our own weakness? Are we going to fear the attack of uh, malign spiritual forces? Well, God has an answer for all of those things, but it starts with, um, in a proper way, a healthy way, fearing God, not in a kind of... oh. I just don't know what he's going to be like. He's going to be mad with me. I'm to blame. You know, I haven't pleased him. But more in a, uh, this is uh, this is a profound vision of goodness that has been presented to me in the story of the Bible. Uh, I should be reverent and slightly overawed by that picture that emerges. So the, there is good fear of God, I think. Uh, yeah, yeah. As well as a bad fear, and, and I think that then begins to trickle out into the rest uh, of life. We've talked about <laughs> uh, going on. Yeah. Uh,
0: uh, uh,
1: there's a good fear that's objective, um, and says, you know, that truck is coming down the road. He's not braking. Oh no, he's slumped over the wheel. I will jump out of the way. Yeah. You know, yeah. Th- there's a kind of a self-preservation.
0: Yeah.
1: But there is what I call speculative fear and uh, speculative fear is is incredibly linked in with worry and anxiety and it's uh, a fear of not knowing quite how situations are going to work out
0: yeah I think I think that's something I wanted to touch on because I think you know as you you say and as we've said so far there is a good fear and so I think there's that that kind of Thing that might be going on in some cultures pretty close to home and perhaps in the states and perhaps elsewhere where people are saying well the, the bible tells me not to fear so i'm just going to carry on as normal <laughs> like yeah. you no know, we're, we're going to have big concerts in texas where there's three thousand people in a in an indoor space you know and all that stuff, and and that's not the right approach you know no, but, no. No. but then there's also i think this speculative thing and i, I think this is particularly been the case probably since um, uh, Christmas, maybe, or certainly something I've noticed since Christmas, of a certain type of of academic, maybe, or a certain type of doctor um, who is a doctor and understands lots about that, but has become uh, a media figure to talk about perhaps stuff beyond their remit. And yes. and is then sort of saying, and perhaps that they don't know that they're getting sucked into this, but yeah. they've, they've been booked to, to espouse a certain position mm-hmm. and they, they're they perhaps gaining followers on Twitter or, you know, gaining a bit of a reputation or getting a book deal or something. And I think yeah. I've still got to keep saying the same yeah. things. So, you yeah. know, it might, as... And, and obviously there's a certain element of, well, we, you know, they want people to stay vigilant and there's a certain strategic kind of thing in there. But I, I think also there's there's a lot of irresponsibility in there of, yeah. well, this is going to instill a lot of quite likely unnecessary fear in people that isn't going to go away very quickly when they say yeah. things like... Um, oh, we know it's, this virus is going to be with us forever. Well, yes, it is, but not in the same way that it no. is this no. year or last year or next, you know, like, or when they say, um, uh, you know, thing, things like, well, we're we're still going to be doing test and trace in 2030 or something. And, and it's no. like, well, yeah, we might be for a little outbreak in, you know, one one town or something like that. Yeah. Um, or... Uh, you know, things along the lines of, um, well, no international travel for you know five years, you know, things like that. Yeah. Um, and and it, it 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 it's kind of become an industry, a, a sort of fear industry. Yes. Of of um, and and I don't think for in most cases I don't think they're bad people. Um, yeah. I think they've just got a bit caught up in it. Um, but but actually, that has a profound profound effect on people who um, perhaps aren't going to, you know, be able to read the nuance of some of those things, yeah, or, yeah. or you know, get the full the full picture, uh, and instead going to come away from it and and just be absolutely terrified and think, well, yeah. that's it. Like life is life is effectively over as I know it.
1: Yeah, I uh, we're we've been helping one or two people who haven't left the house since last March Um, and uh, they're gripped by worst case scenario thinking but with all of these things there is always a little grain of truth in there somewhere it's just that people take it to its furthest extreme and then start believing that the furthest extreme is the norm and it's going to happen so i think
0: it's it's dividing people against people in lots of ways because there's there's, there's a certain kind of cultural thing now to think so because because trump was anti mask the sort of the, the the democrat or liberal position in the states became well we're really 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 pro mask in every possible context yeah. so particularly, you know, a certain type of liberal in New York or whatever. This last weekend, um, there was somebody that writes for, I don't know, some American sort of, you know, New York Times, let's say, or whatever. And she was saying, well, wow, no wonder the virus situation is so bad in London, if this is what their masking situation is like. And, mm-hmm. and it, was a, it was a photograph um, of some people outside, really far apart from each other by hybrid yeah. fields i think yeah and and it was sort of but then there's lots of people that are taking that on board and saying you know i've seen british people say i we went out for a walk earlier and and you know there was people without masks on and you think yeah. well, it was outdoors
1: yeah. <laughs> well it was. i mean it was interesting enough in that uh they uh, in the early days of the virus um there was a lot of pictures been taken that looked like people were close to each other in parks. Yeah, but yeah. it was the camera angle, and th- they weren't that close. Um, yeah, and I mean, I, I think there's there's a hidden subtext with a lot of people in that they keep most of the rules most of the time, um, but they've adjusted the rules since December because the new variant. B one one seven seems to be so much more infectious, um, and so greater caution. But even then, be
0: now they're saying thirty percent more infectious, and at the time they were saying seventy. And it's sort of like, well, you know, I guess there's a point in being vigilant and maybe yeah. overstating it,
1: but
0: yeah. that that's still, you know, it, it's almost like the population can't be treated as adults enough, so everything has to be sort of Extreme. Mm. really really extreme
1: like. I, th- I think too so that some of the commentators uh, and scientists uh, remove themselves from an arena of uh, accountability um, it, it's a bit like weather forecasts in the Daily Express um, they're obsessed with snow um, and a huge amount of the time it just doesn't happen you know, we can tell that the exact time snow is going to fall in Sussex and then it doesn't fall. And and if you set these people down, they, they do have some degree of knowledge about the weather, but they're not in the mainstream of weather forecast accountability a lot of the time. Um, so nobody's, you know, nobody's calling them up. Uh, in my Twitter feeds, you you have people uh, who are scientists, uh, microbiologists saying and then the infectious disease people are saying well yes fair enough major issue we are going to address it but all you understand is how the molecules react with each other we're the ones that understand how the infected person reacts with their populations and you know and and all of those things and and I, i think that points to a wider thing in life that um you know in the spiritual tradition that I'm engaged in, people will often share what they believe God is saying to them or you or the whole community. Um, and Paul says, despise not, you know, prophecy, but he also says way prophecy. And often the way where you go uh, and you know, the same would apply to this kind of speculation about the direction of coronavirus is does this person have anybody that will sit down with them and go, well, you're right most of the time, but I think you're missing the point there. Uh, and this possibility that, that, that even good, accurate, fairly rational people will sometimes go off on one, uh, get the media voice. You know, um, the, there's a very well-known uh, Christian intellectual who really was incredibly supportive of Trump. And um, so a lot of his friends just didn't get it. And one of them, in some commentary on it all, said, Well, at the end of the day, he is thoughtful, he's you know, he's he's looking across the range of Western intellectual yeah, was Um Metaxas wrote a book about
0: oh. I, mean, I thought uh, it might have been him. I mean, is he is he really anyway?
1: Well, Bonhoeffer <laughs> he wrote a book about Bonhoeffer and he's written the foreword for the reprint and so on. Yeah. One of his fairly well-known academic friend said the thing is when you really know him when you press him about the intellectual process behind something um a lot of it comes down to i just feel that that's right um and so he's removed himself from the accountability of community where they might say you know guys how do we derive our, our knowledge what do we add up together you know um And in the kind of Wesleyan tradition that I lean on, uh, it's Bible tradition. You know, there are four things uh, that you weigh something in the light of. Um, And when you boil it right down to individuals living in our streets, they often don't have a community to weigh information with. You know, they're saying that in some parts of England, that uh, there are populations that are resisting the vaccine, but if somebody uh, who they deem to be knowledgeable will take the time to sit down with them and talk them through it, then they will go for it. And so um, part of the problem with the fear that is sparked by the coronavirus is that people pick up on snippets of information and don't have any kind of a, a backboard to 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 say to people, um, what, what do you think? Well, what have you heard? You know, mm. Mm. Um, and then they they go deeper into their fear if they don't have those conversations. I mean, I, I think it's interesting when when you look at uh, I
0: guess it doesn't help you know, that it's hard oh, oh, oh,
1: conversations. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, there is that.
0: I think a lot of people have just been, you know, gone on a very low level, gone slightly. I mean, you know, there's moments where I didn't put myself in this, but like the last year has probably driven some people on a low level just slightly mad at certain times. Yeah. Um, yeah. Your normal kind of uh, routines and and everything um, uh, are pretty much blown out of the water, and um, so you you're just like, what? And you know, you you'll, you'll have ten minutes where you're just like.
1: What, what is going on, right? Yeah. I think when we step away from it, though, it, there's an intellectual thing going on that, uh, you know, the inner conversation is, this is really bad. I don't know what's going to happen. I'm slightly alarmed by what's going on over there. Um, I watched the news tonight. And, of course, some people are not watching the news more than once a day because they can't, you know, and I would count myself in that, they can't cope with a continual recitation inside their own mind of what if, what if, yeah, what yeah. if. I think I
0: saw, saw a tweet from uh, John Tyson yesterday yeah. and he said that he just gets an email that tells him what the news was the day before. It takes him five minutes to read it, but he doesn't watch any any news. You know, he tries not to watch any yeah. any news because... You, get, well, bogged down in it. you just get bogged down, and something that was said one day, it turns out to, you know, like that whole German, you know, oh, the AstraZeneca thing's only 8% effective in well, over 65s yeah. or whatever, and yeah. it was just essentially someone that didn't know how to read the the, pa- the academic paper. Yeah. And had just seen the figure of you know eight percent or seven point six percent, you know, and gone, oh, oh my goodness, it's only eight percent effective in in yeah. uh, um, in over sixty five, and but you know that was grossly irresponsible, like yeah. you know, it was a mistake, but
1: yeah, um, I think the other side of the coin though is that going beyond what is the intellectual, emotional discourse that's going on in our own thoughts and whatever, is what does fear do to the body? Um, And um, it seems to be quite a big body of medical, psychological and other kinds of evidence that uh, you start a bit of a vicious cycle because the negative emotions that are stirred up by the fear begin to affect your whole body system. Um, And... I don't believe we were created for continual states of fear. And so uh, the whole, you know, system, and then people start feeling a bit rough, and then that makes the fear worse, you know, and they feel down and they feel depressed. And so the the body, mind, soul thing uh, is not having a good discourse. And and there's a a negative spiral uh, taking place. And we need to be aware um that, that that does really bad things to people. When you um uh, I was uh, in a large prayer meeting recently but in the in the Zoom room and I'd said something on the main interview about um although a lot of people needed emergency help uh to do with food and food security and so on, that a lot of people just needed mundane things. And when we got to the prayer room, uh, one of the women said, I loved that. Let's pray about the mundane things that people need. And, and when it all relaxes a little bit, one of the things that we'll be doing is encouraging people to come to the allotment. We'll do all kinds of socially distanced stuff and, you know, sensible conversation stuff. But um, the open air, the conversation, it all begins to restore a balance that many people may have lost if they've had a very solitary existence and they've been worrying a bit, or a lot, and that the mundane things will help them just begin to address life as well as dealing with the root sort of uh, intellectual issues. Um, and, and one of the things that, that I've often wondered, I mean, there's obviously a lot of Jesus sayings, Um, And sayings throughout the scripture about fear not. um, uh, Myself and another uh, man, uh, John Houghton, wrote a book after um, 9-11. Just a short book saying to people, look, it is a bad situation. The world is in slight turmoil, but fear not. And we gave them several uh, prayer pointers as to how they could think and reflect together as a community. And so when you look at this whole situation with fear... You, you, you see Jesus come into it quite a bit, uh, often related to worry. And um, he tells uh, this, he uses this kind of teaching where he says, look, do you ever wonder how the the, the the fields are replenished? Do you ever wonder how the sparrows and the birds are you know fed and maintained? And, and he, he basically says to his uh, disciples, don't be worrying about the future. It doesn't. It doesn't change the future. You worrying about it, and without being a bit, you know, weird and hippyish, we have to live in the moment, because if we live too much in the future, we get paralysed with fear and doubt and concern and worry. Um, and there's a proper sort of well, let's let's not do anything stupid here, but there's also a proper kind of. I can't solve that today, or that might change. When I talk to people, sometimes they say, oh, yeah, but Dave, what if? And I say, well, it might not happen at all. And if it does happen, it's highly unlikely to happen to you. And and so just talking people through uh, and getting them to a place of, of objectivity. Uh, the Bible also talks about perfect love, casting out fear. And part of me is thinking... What, I mean, how does that actually work? And so there's an element of uh, the people of Jesus' day and the people in the Greek and Roman cultures around him um, were often fearful of the gods. They were worried about you know, uh, their own situation, so they would try and placate the god. But the god and his stories, he was often very vindicative or she or whatever deity it was. Um, without moral compass, a lot of the ancient Greek and whatever gods. And so along comes Yahweh um, in the Hebrew understanding of God and basically says, I am for you, so I, I love you. And you don't have to live in this stance of, I wonder if he'll be all right with me. Because his desire is to live in loving, compassionate relationship with humanity. Um, He obviously calls them to account if they are destroying other people with their words, their actions, or whatever. But that gives you a whole different stance on life. When you think, well, God loves me. I've given my life to him. I'm a child of God. Um, uh, he, He doesn't want me to be going around doing bad stuff. But he will continue to love me if I stumble, then it actually puts a difference sort of, uh, you know, a lot of the people we meet with who, who are having problems with fear, worry, and anxiety. Um, fear is lurking in the shadows of everything that's happening with them. Fear of the future, fear of the deity, fear of um, uh, all of these things. I, I personally, in my own life, I had to kneel down one day and just say, Lord, I'm really wrestling with stuff here and I don't think I can solve it today. And like some of my friends in this institution I was in who were basically unravelling and I I didn't want to go that way, but I didn't want to duck the issues either. So I said, help me to be patient, to work these things out and not try and brush it aside and just be super spiritual to deal with it and then I I was able to progress from there um and which would bring us back into you know the question what do we actually do when we're facing fear um and there's a degree of self-talk really when you look in psalm 42 I think is the and if it isn't that it's 43 people um the psalmist is saying to himself, why so downcast, O oh my soul? Put your trust in God. And so he's having an inner conversation where he weighs up his feelings against his understanding of the past, the present and the future uh, from his uh, you know, Hebrew mindset and saying, okay, it's really bad at the moment. I won't pretend it isn't, but I'm going to persevere. And so the role of self-talk uh, is is not, minor um, for many people and when we start thinking about fear we have to address that self-talk and there would be three things that I would say one is uh, we have uh, I have an overarching belief in the goodness of God and his desire uh, that we might flourish in the earth you know your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven your will be done Um, and so uh, where uh, the, the self-talk help is helped if we have a good perspective on God. The self-talk is helped if we try and be a little bit sort of objective and thoughtful and say, um, I want to know how this affects me today, not how this might affect me in a year. And I don't want to go and live in the speculation of it might be a year, what will I do? because you can expend huge amounts of energy. And this is what Jesus is kind of alluding to in the whole thing about the lilies of the field and the birds of the air and how he preserves and looks after them and how people cannot add to their stature or understanding by worrying about the future. And so there is a discipline of saying, I will be appropriately worried if everybody in my street has the bug and the funeral cars are coming to take them away and, you know, all that kind of thing. Uh, but I will just be helpfully cautious if I know that, you know, in my district, 100 people are in hospital and 15 people have died in the last fortnight. You, and so it, it's bringing it right back down and saying, let's not worry about the future. Let's do the sensible thing for today. And then sorry, the third sorry. thing. Oh, yeah, sorry. Do the third yeah. thing. Yeah. Yeah, the third thing would be... Um, communities of reinforcement you know so how can we uh, you know I I was talking to somebody yesterday in the shopping centre I just picked up my groceries from Sainsbury's and this person called me over we were all masked up but they asked me if I'd had the vaccine and I said I had and uh, they said that they had really not been at all sure about it and these are people that are you know slightly given to extreme views about politics and stuff. But they had rung a very well-known Christian figure from the last 50 years who they had worked with back in the day. And he said that the vaccine was a provision of God and that they needed to get on with it. And then they'd rung a pastor that had been very influential in their lives in the uh, 80s. Uh, And he told them to get on with it and get the jab. But...
0: Might
1: might, might these be the people I'm thinking of? Yes. Yeah. Um, And so, but the fact was they had a long, you know, a deep community, and when they were really struggling, um, they went to that community and said, "Help us think that through." So as church people, you know, sometimes we could go to our community and they would give us a bonkers view of stuff, but. You know, the, 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 there's a denomination called Elam, which is a Pentecostal denomination, and they uh, were getting a lot of questions in their churches about COVID and the vaccine and so on. So they put together a panel and set up a meeting, and the panel was significantly composed of health professionals who explained, as best they could in layman's language, why the vaccine was co- probably going to be a good thing for most people. Um And could the church leaders who were on the call absorb that information and try and pass it on when they were presented with? And so fear is, sometimes we look at fear and we think, dear God, please make it stop. And because we want God to sort everything out with some kind of power act. Now, he does sort out things with power acts, but he also sorts things out. The thing about power acts is that They're very sort of supernatural and mystical, and and they're they're good. But if they're the only thing, then we are basically being Greek in our thought. Uh, I'm only satisfied with the supernatural and the miraculous, really, Dave, as opposed to I respect and expect uh, the supernatural to happen at times. But I'm also going to do the sensible stuff that the Bible tells me to just get on with. And just getting on with, in this case, is partly related to self-talk, community, and a and a healthy view as a character of God.
0: And Martin Luther King said, um, you know, if we, you know, praying is the most important thing, but if we just prayed, then there'd yeah. still be segregation in, like, yeah. you know, the year 2400 or something. Yeah. You know, I mean, literally, more or less what he said. Um, you know, it's praying and then doing yeah. in light of the, the prayer yeah. um, and and having faith. And I, I'm not sort of saying that faith is the exact polar opposite of fear, because we've talked about the, you know, particular types of fear and how there's a certain fear that, you know, it is, is a sort of right fear or a natural fear to its, to its kind of point. Um, but... Um, what, you know, what would you say, um, how would you suggest people pray for faith if they don't feel like they've got much faith in the 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 sort of the next few months or the next few years, and they just think, oh, it's, you know, it's just spiralling out of control. Maybe that's just what God wants. He just wants it to all spiral out of control.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think there's there's a couple of things that, all of us should bring to the table around that question that you're asking. One is perspective. In as much as we're living in the early 21st century, um, 160 to 200 years ago, uh, people in our nation were going to the one toilet in their street. Um, The water wasn't always very hygienic. They were uh, subjected to gross exploitation in the factories. I mean, we could go on and then go back and say, well, you know, what happened with the Black Death and the plague and and so on? Uh, Stuff in medieval times and and in AD 300. What is happening around the world today with uh, Syrian people or... um, uh, Yemeni. Yemeni people. And, And so, although... Uh, our ability to mingle, shop, all those things is severely limited by this uh, pandemic. Um, we might want to say, you know, this isn't the first time in history that there's been a large disruption of society life and people have found the courage and found the will and they've carried on. So that kind of led to a couple of people during the last year. Have you got a, a roof over your head? Yeah. Uh, although the money might be all a bit tight, have you got enough money to eat? Yeah. I said, well, you know. And that brings you back round to the old Christian song, Count Your Blessings. Name them one by one, and it will surprise you what the Lord has done. And it, there is a certain amount of truth in that song. It's about finding perspective. Um, it could be so much worse. Um And I don't want to downplay the sorrow people will be feeling as they lose family, friends and relatives. But in the great scheme of things, um, most of us will not be badly ill um, and we're experiencing a sort of a rolling, soft trauma, not the uh, shattering trauma that people in many parts of the world are experiencing on an almost daily basis. So I'd want to say to people, um, you know, find perspective on it all, find community, and your fear is often legitimate, but it can get sort of taken out of control. It becomes uh, overwhelming. It takes you over. So the face and the fear. Uh, it's not question, a question of saying, God, sort this out. Uh, it's cooperating with God as He brings wisdom into your life um, uh, through your community that you find yourself in, through your communion with Him, um, and through uh, living 24 hours at a time, maybe 48, perhaps even 72. But, yeah. you yeah. know, living in that
0: For me today, that would be like. Well, I don't really want to go shopping tomorrow or Sunday. So I'll think as far ahead as, like, Monday morning to make sure that this afternoon I buy yeah. everything that I need. So if I want to stay in all weekend, then, yeah. you know, which is, I guess, what I should do, then, you know, that um, that's what I can do. Yeah.
1: Um, but, yeah, I think...
0: I no, I yeah. uh, you go ahead. No, no, go ahead. I was, I was saying to you before, there was something on Tuesday or Wednesday where I thought this, and I still can't remember what it is, but I think it might have been to do with Moses and Exodus. Um, so I just thought I'd say that and then see yeah. if see if there's anything that uh, you might say something, and I'll think, oh, that's that's exactly what it is.
1: So, Well, I mean, part of the problem for Moses was that he, uh, he had been adopted into the royal court. But he'd never lost sight of his Jewish roots because essentially it was his mum bringing him up in the royal court because she'd been employed to do that. Uh, and he was concerned about the gross injustice. Um, and, you know, he went, to Mo- uh, he went to Pharaoh, all that whole passage of uh, the plagues. And um, so eventually uh, Pharaoh says, all oh, right right, I better let these people go. And he does. And then uh, he changes his mind and comes chasing after him. What a moment in Moses' life when he gets to the Red Sea, <laughs> because you know, let's you know, let's pull a figure out of the air. He's got 140,000 people with him, and they're like, "Oh, I thought we had been liberated. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? They're they're coming behind us now. And they're going to kill us, and we can't get through that river." And then the Bible account tells us that the, that God divided the waters. Um, and that they were able to get across and then when the others tried to chase them uh, the water came flooding back in again and they were safe Mm -hmm. on the other side Mm -hmm. but just think for a moment what Moses must have felt like the expectations of this massive clan of people are on me I have reached an obstacle that I can't see a way through I'm just going to have to ask my God to come to my aid, and he must have been riddled with fear at the moment. What if he did hold his stick up and nothing happened? You know, um, and so I think it kind of brings you back around again to be expecting supernatural and help, but Make also the way out. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, also get on with it. Yeah, you know, um, and I. I I think that balance is, is what God's calling us to, and it respects our humanity and the supernatural aspect that we believe in to do with a creator God who speaks to us by his Holy Spirit. Um, they're, they're to be held in, t- in in healthy tension, not, oh, yeah, no, humanity, Oof. Jesus was just divine, we'll all be divine sometime, you know. But we don't want all that, well, it. The technical name for it is Gnosticism um, and it's antithetical to uh, embodied Christianity because it despises the body and it despises the earth and all it's interested in is the mystical and the the secrets of the mind and all that kind of stuff. And it's about as much use as a chocolate teapot when you're facing the coronavirus. Um, it, it's... I've I read a book at the moment written by one of our congregation and she's talking about how a lot of churches and church-friendly youth work just went, what do we do here? And a lot of them moved their activities outside um, or you know, came up with creative ideas. They sought to maintain something of the humanity of the relationships that they had in helping young people by just taking a deep breath and saying, well, what can we do? And I, and I think sometimes in life, uh, particularly when we're in the middle of this kind of thing, the question is, well, what can we do?
0: What's the oh, next best yeah. thing?
1: Yeah. yeah. And I, I, when when it all started, I thought people need three times a week contact at least. And just the mere physicality of... Having three conversations a week about life and God and quizzes and stuff will help people have a little bit of an anchor in the middle. Of it. So we got on the Zoom technology, yeah, learn, yeah. learn as we went, and we couldn't solve the problems of coronavirus in the world or Britain or even in Eastbourne, but we could be an anchor yeah. for some people. And so that was twenty or thirty people who were not yeah. so freaked out. Was another 20 or 30 down the road and nobody was talking to about anything and were just overwhelmed by it's funny that
0: last Friday I did a, a football quiz and uh, you know nothing to do with the church or anything particularly I think might have been like one other Christian on there or something but, yeah. um, but you know it lasted for 90 minutes or something it finished yeah Um and uh, and all but one of the people that were on it just stayed on for another half an hour, and some of them I yeah. hadn't seen the other people in there for like fifteen years or something, yeah. fourteen years or fifteen years, whatever. Or they didn't even know some of the other people, and they were saying, "Oh, you know, who are you a fan of?" <laughs> like, yeah. um, and it was, I guess, just like, "Oh, this is you know, it's a Friday night, and like this is this is." Um, uh, um, you know, just something a bit different from what i've been doing and um you know even perhaps in lockdown one I wouldn't have uh, necessarily gone in for all of this, but uh, um uh, you know at this point i'm um, you know just want to have a chat with some people as if I was you know I think what a lot a lot of people are missing is yes they're friends, but also just seeing acquaintances and just having that kind Ooh. of yeah. That spark of, um, of, yeah. of you know, meeting someone new or, you know, seeing someone that they only see four times a year or something like that.
1: So. Yeah. The sociologists talk about numbers in community and obviously it's 3, 12, uh, 70 is another kind of... If you're in a community of 70 people who you see fairly regularly, then you kind of know quite a bit about most of them, but not too much. And then 150, it starts getting a bit sort of crazy around the edges yeah,
0: yes yeah,
1: and, yeah. and so we're dealing with people that have barely got three and other people who've got the 12 but like you say they actually need the the 13 to 69 kind of people to interact with uh, as well and that that's why the virus is so uh, challenging but also why some of the mundane things that we would do on zoom or you know other things, or when it relaxes a bit, outside gatherings around a, a theme. You know, uh, in our park near here, there's always people doing you know 30 person exercise classes um, when when it's a bit relaxed on the lockdown front, because they just want to get out and they just want to get on with it, and they crave what happens on the fringe of that activity as well as the activity. So it's like. Um, you know, how you doing? Is your Johnny getting on all right at that new school? These are kind of minor mundane concessions, but actually they're an important part of the fabric of our lives. I think, well, I mean, I think in some ways the final thing I would say to people is um, if you're experiencing great fear, um, then I'd encourage you to talk to God about it and, and simply ask him... Um, that to, uh, to help you find community that will help you process it, two, uh, to help you process it, um, and uh, three, to help you to live one to three days at a time uh, because anything could happen, you know, positively as well as negatively. And if you don't mind, I wouldn't mind taking a a slight diversion from our practice of praying the Lord's prayer Fair enough. Uh, yeah. and for me to pray for those that are listening yeah. or watching um in, in a in a way that's kind of related but slightly different as you're listening here today as you have been processing all that we've been saying I'm going to pray in the following way I bless you in the name of Jesus that you may know wisdom to counter your fear, that you may know truth, to counter your fear, that you may understand, in the name of Jesus, and by the power of the Holy Spirit, uh, this bigger story, in which your life is in, and that it would help you, have the appropriate fear, but also, to put at arm's length, that which would destroy you, destroy your sleep, and destroy everything around you may the lord bless you and keep you uh, in the next uh, seven days and beyond we ask all of this uh, god in your name and for the sake of your glory amen amen wait amen.
0: i'll be back next week and i might have remembered the thing i was yeah. gonna say at that point <laughs> um or not anyway we'll see you next week
1: yeah